Think he'll be back? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't think so. Jesus' followers knew that he was dead, and not one of them expected him to resurrect from the grave, and neither would we have if we had been in the same situation. Happy Easter. I'm glad that you're here today. It's a happy day, but we begin on sort of a, a sad note. No one, when Jesus was crucified, not one of his followers said, let's give him at least three days and see what might happen. And you think that he, he deserved at least three days? Nobody said that. There was no, nobody who said T minus three days in counting. They didn't all go out you know, on what would be Easter Sunday morning for us now and gather around that place where he was buried and start the countdown. T minus 10, nine, eight, seven, six. Wouldn't it have been cool? Get down to one and big explosion, you know, light flashes out and all of a sudden the rock is still there, but Jesus is standing on the outside. The rock didn't get moved, so Jesus could get out, by the way. Uh, Jesus got out without the rock being moved. The rock was moved so that we could see in and know that that, that, that tomb was empty. But, but wouldn't it have been cool if that's the thing, if that's the way that it happened? But it didn't. They were hiding. They were running. They were afraid. Jesus' followers were doing exactly what people who expect him to stay dead do. And I want you to look at that for a few minutes this morning, starting with the women. The women expected Jesus to stay dead. And I start with the women because they were the ones that stuck with him at the, at the crucifixion, right? They were up so close that they could talk to him at the crucifixion. The guys were all running and hiding except for John who was around for a little while. The women were the ones, were the first uh, to the grave on Easter Sunday morning. They were the first ones to see that the stone had been rolled away. They were the first ones uh, to have any kind of communication with the Savior. But think about the women. They had watched two men. They had watched Jesus crucified, take down from the cross. Then they had watched two men Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, in whose tomb Jesus was laid, hurriedly prepared Jesus' body for burial, and then placed Jesus' body in a new tomb in a garden area, which was probably a vineyard close by. And they probably thought, two men can't handle this job. This is too important a job. We'll do it right, you know, uh, uh, when we can get back. And so Mark's gospel, chapter 16, begins like this. And Mark, by the way, uh, is a guy who evidently interviewed Peter. And so we give Peter a lot of credit for what Mark wrote down here. Mark chapter 16, verse one. When the Sabbath was over. So there was Passover and there was the Sabbath and nobody could work or do anything on the Sabbath. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus's body. So when the Sabbath was over and they were free to go out and do work, the group of women went and purchased spices to anoint Jesus's body. Now, the Sabbath ended Saturday night at six o'clock. Sabbath goes from six o'clock one night to six o'clock the next evening. So sometime after that, they found someplace open and they bought spices. Uh, 
Now, the reason they had to go and buy spices kind of like that was because everything happened so quickly. They were not prepared for what had happened. It had been Passover. People were celebrating one of the, the greatest event in the history of Israel and all seemed well and they went to bed. And when they woke up the next morning, they found out that Jesus had been betrayed and had been tried during the night and he was on his way to be hung on a cross at nine o'clock the next morning. And so they got everything together as quickly as they could and they ran to find out what was going to happen. And all they did was to watch their savior, their friend die an unimaginable death. It had happened so quickly, so fast. They went from sky high to as low as you could go. What did they believe, these followers of Jesus? Well, they believed the same thing all the other followers believed. They believed that Jesus was a great teacher they believed that he was a miracle worker, that he had come from God, and they hoped that he was the Messiah. But they must have been wrong, they thought, that particular time, because God would not allow his Messiah to die, especially by crucifixion. And then they, and they had watched him die. They knew he was dead. They had followed those two guys, and, and, and they had seen him placed in this tomb. They had watched the big rock wheel be rolled in front they were in shock. They went from expecting Jesus to announce that he was the king to his death. And then they spent a couple of sleepless nights. But after the Passover had ended, at, at the close of the Sabbath day, they had something they needed to do. And so verse 2 says, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, this group of, of women. In verse 3, they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? They weren't saying, hey, maybe, he'll, maybe he won't be there. Nobody thought that maybe he will have res risen from the dead. Their question was, how are we going to put these spices on him if there's that big rock in front of the place? No thought. Resurrection. Verse 4, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And, and different things happened after that, but the whole group went into that tomb at that particular time, and Mary Magdalene probably left on her own, but Luke's gospel records this, Luke 24, verse two. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Jesus. So immediately, of course, they said, Jesus is risen, hallelujah, praise God. Uh, you know, let's have church. Let's have an Easter service. No. They assumed that his body had been stolen. They never, it never even crossed their mind that maybe he had resurrected from the, from the dead. Evidently, Mary Magdalene ran immediately back to Peter and reported to him. John's gospel, chapter 20 and verse two records this. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now that's, we're reading John's gospel, by the way. That's the way John refers to himself as the other disciple. He calls himself the other disciple and he calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. <laughs> Jesus loved them all, of course, but that's the way he liked to refer to himself. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. No, they didn't think resurrection. They didn't think, praise God, glory, hallelujah. So the, 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 the greatest event in the history of the universe has taken place. They said, oh no, somebody stole his body. And we don't know where they put it. Later, by the way, Mary Magdalene returned by herself to the empty tomb and she actually encountered the risen Savior. You may remember this encounter. 
John records it in his gospel, chapter 20, verse 15. He asked her, that is Jesus, asked Mary. So she's here, she's crying her eyeballs out, you know, because the worst thing imaginable had happened. She's crying her eyes out, and all of a sudden this guy starts talking to her. And he says, woman, a term of respect, by the way, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Now, if you kept con continued reading, he identified himself to her and she was overjoyed. But, but think, no thought, she might be talking to Jesus. All, every thought was, oh no, he's dead and now somebody has stolen his body away. Meanwhile, the other women who had evidently stayed behind and seen the angels had gone to report to all the apostles. But the main thing that I want us to realize as we talk here is this thing. Not one, not one of Jesus' followers who looked into the empty tomb thought resurrection. Every one of them who looked into the empty tomb thought, oh no, oh no, what's going on here? And the main thought was somebody has stolen his body away. Well, how, how about the men? Let's talk about the men. And, and, and we mean the apostles here and, and the guys who are around them. Uh, of course, one of those guys is already gone. That was Judas. But there's 11 of those 12 guys still around. They, they spent most of the last three years of their lives, most every day, with Jesus. First, there's Peter. He's the spokesman for the group, right? And then there's John, that disciple whom Jesus loved. And let's go back to that account in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now the other ladies were there with her too. Verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So verse 3 says, Peter and the other disciples started to the tomb and they were running. Verse, verse 4, both were running. Now John is the youngest of the twelve. But the, they were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And verse 5 says, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. So John's faster. You know, Peter's got the, got the mouth, but John's got the legs. And so he ran faster, and he stops and he looks in. And he sees the grave clothes, that stuff they wrapped around Jesus in there, but he wouldn't go in. Verse 6, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there. Verse 7, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, verse 8, the other disciple who had reached the, the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. But what did he believe? Did he believe? Yep, Mary's right. Somebody stole his body. Or did he, did he believe? Resurrection. We would like for it to think that he believed resurrection, right? After all, this is John. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the Revelation, you know, a bunch of stuff that we have included in our New Testament. But, but the next two verses don't indicate that. Verse 9 says this. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Don't know exactly what John believed, but they still didn't understand what was going on. And what did they do? Verse 10 says... Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. They didn't have a party. They didn't have a celebration. They didn't have a church service. They didn't do anything like that. They just went back where they were, where they were all gathered together, you know, just uh, 
feeling sorry for each other. In fact, Luke's gospel records this about Peter, Luke 24, 12. Peter, however, got up and ran. This is when Peter and John went together, ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what happened. It's kind of like the number one guy. And he's wondering, what, what happened here? What's going on? We don't understand. Did somebody get, did somebody steal the body of Jesus? And how about those other guys, the rest of the 11? We'll go back to that group of women. You remember the whole group went over? Mary Magdalene left, the rest waited around and they saw the angel who said, hey, he's not here, he's risen. And they run back and tell everybody. So, uh, and by the way, let me show you a couple of, uh, couple of photos. We can, we can have photographs of what that tomb might look like. Here's one. I actually took this one myself a few years ago, but this is what's called the garden tomb. It's, it's really close to some, something I showed you Friday night, which is Golgotha, or the place of the skull. And uh, uh, it is in a garden, a vineyard, actually. That was a garden. And you can see, you know, there's some concrete blocks on one side. It's kind of crumpled. It's, it's 2,000 years old. It's an ancient tomb carved into the rock, two burial places on the inside, sign of the fish scraped into the rock above as though it had been a holy place, you know, for years, those kinds of, uh, of things. And so this might possibly be, it certainly fits all the qualifications of the place where Jesus was buried. And when you look inside, next slide would show the burial place. Look inside, there's uh, kind of crossways like this when you look in, you'd see that right there. And that is a burial spot that has been used. On the other side, the side you can't see, there's a burial place that was never used. It was dug out 2,000 years ago, but was never, ever used. So they looked, they could see where Jesus was buried. It's a nice place, there's an ante room there, you know, where family could come and visit the dead and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a really kind of a cool place that you, that you go to. But that's the place these women went into. So Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, describes it like this in verse 4. While they were wondering, so these women came and they went in, and while they were wondering, what, what's going on here? Why, why isn't the body here? Suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. Verse five, in their fright, you'd be afraid too. We'd be scared out of our mind. They're in a tomb for heaven's sake, you know, and all of a sudden somebody appears, you know, and starts talking to them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men, these angels, said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse 6, he's not here, he's risen. Remember how he told you while, while he was still with you in Galilee, up north in Galilee, verse 7? Here's what he said. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Verse 8 says, then they remembered his word, but their actions indicate they didn't really fully comprehend still what was going on, you know, they, they, they couldn't get it through their heads. So verse nine says, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to the others who were gathered together there. Uh, who was it that told, verse 10 says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and others with them who told this to the apostles. And what did the apostles say? These, these great men, followers of Jesus, verse 11. But they didn't believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. They said, just a bunch of crazy women. Sorry, ladies, you know, that's kind of the way it went sometimes. Just a bunch of crazy women talk. They didn't believe it. Now, here's something very interesting. We've been reading the Gospels. Here's something very interesting. Jesus' followers actually documented their own unbelief. 
These guys wrote all this down after the resurrection. They knew Jesus was alive, but they honestly told the story of how, how sad they were, how pitiful they were, how they didn't understand anything, and how they did not believe. Now, if you are someone or you know someone who likes Jesus, but you just can't accept that part about how he rose from the dead, you're in good company. His closest followers believed exactly that. Hours, day after the, 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 the crucifixion, all of them believed he was dead and would never live again. None of them, not one of them assumed resurrection. They all assumed that Jesus was dead and that he was going to stay dead. And it's amazing that the men and women who are closest to the action and, and the writers of the New Testament documents documented their own skepticism and their own unbelief. The very people who would be the spokesmen and the spokeswomen for this brand new movement called The Way. Document the fact that they didn't like The Way. They gave up on The Way. They quit on The Way. By the way, even that, you know, that was a Sunday morning, even that evening, the, the guys got together. The women were not there. The guys got together, scared out of their minds. They locked the door. They're still afraid that they're going to get arrested. After all, their leader got arrested. They, they managed to escape, but they knew that they were next if the, if the wrong thing happened. And so John's Gospel, chapter 20 and verse 19 says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, so Sunday night, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders. They still didn't believe that God had, had the power to do anything. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. That must have scared the bejeebers out of them, don't you think? They're, they're in there, the doors are locked, they're, they're shaking because they're afraid that somebody's gonna kick the door down, the soldiers are gonna drag them out and do what they've done to Jesus, and all of a sudden, bing, there he is. And he says, peace be with you. Now, Luke, who's the historian of the group of the gospel writer. He's the one who said he carefully inspected, he interviewed all the, 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 uh, the, the firsthand witnesses uh, and, and examined all the evidence. Luke the historian gives this account of their reaction. Luke 24, verse 37. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. Well, sure, wouldn't you, wouldn't you react the same way? And you don't even believe in ghosts, right? But they thought they saw a ghost. And verse 38 says, he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Verse 39, look, look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's, it's, it's really me. It is really me. I, I'm not a ghost. I'm not an apparition. I'm not a vision. It's really me. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Verse 40, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Verse 41, and while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? It was so incredible. Here's that, they still did not, what it means is so incredible, so far beyond belief, that they still couldn't believe it. But he asked them for food, so verse 42 says they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, verse 43, and ate it in their presence, verse 44, and he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled 
that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, every, all that Old Testament stuff had to be fulfilled in me. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Ever have that happen to you? You know, you looked at something, you just couldn't understand it, and then somebody helped you out a little bit, and bing, the light came on. That's what Jesus did for them. And here's what he told them, and this is significant. Luke 24, 46, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. This is what's been prophesied. Messiah will suffer, die, he'll rise from the dead on the third day. And verse 47, repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And, and after he raises from the dead, news of this, the good news of this is going to be preached in every nation on the face of the earth. And here's the cool part. Verse 48, you are witnesses. You are the witnesses of these things. You're the guys that are going to do it. You're the eyewitnesses. You see me. You know I'm alive. You're the guys that are going to tell everybody else I am alive. And they certainly were eyewitnesses to the event that changed the entire world, the event that Christians around the world celebrate today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in verse 49, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, that's the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And I want you to know this about, if you're a Christian, I want this to know your faith. The resurrection is the reason for our faith. That's the basis, yes, we believe in Jesus, but the resurrection and the, the validity and the reality and the provability of the resurrection is the reason for our faith. So why, why, why do we, or why we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Here's a statement I want you to look at. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead because of the testimony of eyewitnesses. That's why we believe, because of the testimony of eyewitnesses. If it was possible for him to be arrested and crucified, then he was not who he claimed to be. But the resurrection changed all that. The fact that Peter and Andrew, James and John and Mary and all admitted that no one was expecting Jesus to raise from the dead had all changed when they saw the Savior. So we believe in the resurrection because Matthew, who was an eyewitness, documented his experience and we have a record of that in the gospel called Matthew. We believe because Luke came along later and thoroughly investigated the events and talked to many eyewitnesses uh, as he possibly could, and he put together an account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in the resurrection because John, who was an eyewitness, put together an account of Jesus' life. We believe in the resurrection because Peter believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and later on he wrote letters to churches telling them that. We believe in the resurrection because James, the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who did not believe that Jesus was anybody special, kind of like you feel about your brother or your sister, uh, he did not believe that Jesus was anybody special until after the resurrection, and then he acknowledged that Jesus was the Savior of the world, and he recorded that for us. We believe in the resurrection because the Apostle Paul, hater and persecutor of the early churches, loved to see Christians go down, had an experience with Christ, believed that Jesus rose from the dead. We believe because Jesus said to his followers that night after his resurrection, you are my witnesses of these things. You're going to witness beginning at Jerusalem 
and you're going to go throughout the entire world. The faith of Christians is in a person and it's based on an event. That person is Jesus. That event is his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus is an extraordinary event with profound implications for your life, your fears, your hopes, for your happiness. The resurrection is something that is very believable because of the eyewitnesses. Now, I want to start to close here by going back to Peter. Peter, who believed in Christ and then he didn't believe in Christ, and then he denied he even ha ever had gotten to know him, and then he went fishing, and then he came back and believed again. Wrote two letters that are, that are uh, kept for us in the New Testament. And by the way, there's more historical and textual evidence for the writings of the New Testament uh, than for any other ancient writings that exist. More for the New Testament. But here's what uh, Peter said about our hope and our resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He wrote this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. Stopping there for just a minute. Notice that Peter was convinced that God was Jesus's father and that Jesus was still living. Makes that very clear. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this, uh, this new birth, which is a new life, eternal life. And the new birth results in a living hope, a real hope. And all that is based on what everything we do and everything we believe is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse four, and that leads us and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What we have waiting for us as children can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Peter believed in heaven. It wasn't because of something he learned when he was a kid in Sunday school. Of course, there wasn't anything such as Sunday school, but it wasn't because of something he learned as a kid, some story he heard. And it wasn't because he went to hear some religious leader preach a sermon or maybe at a funeral. That wasn't why Peter believed in heaven. He believed because he saw something as an adult. And what he saw was the resurrected Jesus and Jesus talked a lot about heaven. One final thought, First Peter, skip one verse, go to verse six, First Peter 1, 6. Now Peter's talking to these persecuted Christians, these Christians that are trying to serve God, but things are not going so well for them. It ain't easy. First Peter 1, 6, he says, in all this, you, you believers in Christ, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter didn't doubt God's existence or God's love because of suffering, the suffering that he saw. Why? Because he saw Jesus suffer and die, and then he saw Jesus alive again. If you were here Friday night, we talked about Jesus' testimony on the cross and how he was able in his dying moments say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And how that at least one of the guys that was crucified with him trusted in him because of that testimony. Here's what Peter uh, saw. Peter saw the worst thing imaginable. And, and, and some of you have seen a lot, things a lot worse than what I have seen. 
But Peter saw the worst thing imaginable happen to the best person he'd ever known, and in fact, the best person who's ever set foot on this planet. And yet Jesus never lost his faith in the Father. The resurrection reframed Peter's life. This guy that had just wandered off into oblivion, he was the leader of the quitters. And all of a sudden, he was the leader of the followers. The man who ran away in the garden and swore that he had never even known Jesus became the man who ran toward danger in order that he might introduce people to the Savior of the world. And I asked you this morning, on this Easter Sunday, 2019, I just asked you this, consider the evidence. Jesus rose from the dead and the resurrected Savior can do the same thing for you that he did for Peter. Let's pray. Father, I know that you're here with us today and I thank you for that. I don't understand everything that happens. I don't even claim to. But I do believe in the resurrected Savior. And I thank you for the testimony of eyewitnesses that you give us so that we can know that Jesus died and rose again on the third day, paid the price of our sin. And just by believing in him, he guarantees us a place that, in that place he talked about that we in general refer to as heaven. 